welcome to the Props Public Safety Podcast, where experienced firefighters discuss drone operations in public safety. Take flight, save lives, save service members. Hey, handsome. Hey, doing, buddy? What you got going on out there? You're at a bonfire at Casa de Wall? No, I am just uh, outside um, in, yeah, La Casa de Wall having a, a tall boy of coffee. Yes, I have mine right here. 24 ounces of the hard stuff. Yeah, the the amazing thing about people in public safety is that we drink coffee like 24-7. Absolutely. (laughs) Right? So, yeah, it's been a long couple of of weeks, as we say. Um, So, I guess this podcast will be kind of just filling everybody in on some of the stuff that we've had going on and why we've been absent for the past two weeks. Um, it's been nearly impossible to get a hold of you and you get a hold of me and our schedules yeah. line to actually have these little meetings and podcasts or both. As a matter of fact, I don't even yeah. remember the last time that I've seen you and I normally see you at least three times a week. You know, we kind of chalked it up a little bit too with so much going on. Let's take this little bit of a hiatus to be like our summer break, right? Correct. And then once everything starts to calm down, and I don't see any end in sight right now. <laughs> a lot going on. Unfortunately. But we but. do have a moment. So while we have this moment, we'll take advantage of it. And uh, let's just talk about everything going on, right? Yeah. So I know that you've been putting together some micro trainings for our unit. Definitely working on some of the other stuff, building out workflows and owner's manuals and booklets and cheat sheets and phone numbers that you can call and breakdowns and part breakout lists for some new equipment that we just procured. Dreaded checklists. And I've been running around the country with uh, on female exercises, uh, utilizing UAS in some uh, pretty mock-up precarious situations per se. Uh, Florida was lovely. Anybody that was able or fortunate enough to attend the curse event in Tallahassee would uh, absolutely 100% agree that it was amazing exercise and really showcased the strong points of utilizing drone technology in um, advanced search and rescue and post-disaster relief. On the FEMA side, they were very pleased with the data that they received, how they received it, and the speed at which they were getting their questions answered. So we yeah. definitely see the integration go forth, which also brings us to one of our many talks that we want to have. Um, you mentioned, you know, the public safety loophole, as you will, you know, of yeah. being able, like in state certain states that have UAS bans, being Florida being one of them, we were able to actually operate using, you know, Chinese made equipment. Yeah. Yeah. Just because we're not liable to fall under their legislation because we're an outside entity. Yeah, and that and that and that falls into like that weird gray area for public safety. That when I look at it, like, you know, what's the goal of public safety? Right, keeping the public safe. <laughs> I mean, it's in the yeah. name, right? And you might have to go about it in a way where you aren't necessarily doing that, and it's coming through a third party. And I think uh, municipalities need to look at that and see if it is an option to have a, a UAS program. We're brand agnostic, right? We kind of just yeah, talk about what, I mean, I talk about what I feel works, and so do you, and what doesn't work. And uh, you know, DJI works. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm, we're never gonna. We're never and, gonna say that it doesn't. And, I mean, and, it you know, does. there's, there's other there's other manufacturers out there that work too, but DJI works very well. And uh, 
departments and agencies might have to look at it and say, well, if we're going to go with the best possible solution, we might have to do it from an outside outside of a department you know, resource. Oh, absolutely. So one of the things that I noticed when I was at Curse is, I mean, it's not always the best tool in the toolbox. You know, your M30 or your M300 is, or your M350 now isn't going to be the best tool. They had a couple of wide area maps and they were able to throw up, a, you know, a couple of uh, fixed wing assets and they were phenomenal at what they did. But you couldn't do, you know, surveyability using them. Yeah, you know right. what I mean? Like the data just, it didn't work. If you need a, you know, a large area map or a large area mapped out, that was the equipment to use. But to get down right dirty and nitty gritty and really inspect the side of a building, you need that, that multi-rotor yeah. and the advantages of having that 200x zoom and, you know, the 40 minute flight times and the ability to switch the thermal on if need be all on one aircraft was phenomenal. Yeah, uh, And then we also seen a lot of potential with the Parrot products. The Anafi AI, as I use it, I use it all the time. I know you're a big proponent on, on of, uh, of Parrot. So. I am. And uh, actually, Parrot was there. Um, so special thanks to uh, Grant Fox for, you know, meeting up with us and, you know, going over some of the other equipment that they had there as well. And um, I mean, just phenomenal pieces of equipment. I mean, the Anafi AI really shines you know, in the mapping environment. I use it yeah. for all my maps now. Yeah. But more importantly, that comes with AI. So you can essentially write an algorithm to view the video that's coming in and mark targets based off of damage assessment through artificial intelligence. And that can yeah. be now. Um, yeah, and I, I know that, that was that aircraft. And that was that was being done a couple of years ago. I remember they did a um they did an exercise, maybe it might have been in the Carolinas where uh, they patched into the city like a uh, lot in bin numbers and they programmed this with some sort of AI reference where if it sees a structure, it can determine whether it's a, I'm going to say green, gold or red structure. All right. And red would be destroyed. And if it was completely destroyed, it would patch into the the municipality to actually pull the lot and bin number, find the name of the homeowner, find their policy number and and submit um, uh, to that policy before these people were like even checked into their hotels. Yeah. It was in, and this was about, and I remember this about three or four, like three years ago, three or four years ago. I can only imagine the improvements that have been made like right now. Absolutely. I mean, if enough insurance companies, this I always say insurance companies run the world. Yeah. Yeah. If enough companies throw money at it, it, it will be done tomorrow. Yeah, and I both know that. But uh, we had a great time at that exercise. And that's just one of the many things that we have going on. A couple of symposiums. We did um, a demo day for Monmouth County. Yeah, it was a great time. Out here in Jersey. Um, we had you know, a lot of fun with that. We did a nice uh, hour and a half long presentation, which those will be coming up again. Yeah. We want more of those um, different, you know, topics and so on and so forth, different municipalities as well. Yeah, good group of guys. And, you know, it was um, it was a nice mix between people that that kind of have what you would call a program or the start of a program to people that are just coming in yeah. um, completely blind as to where to go and the direction to go. So it was nice. And then um, we also had uh, the emergency management symposium. And we have another one of those coming up in upstate New York in August, I believe, late August. August, August. Yeah. 
So we have another one of those on the way. We also have the Raymond Symposium, which is in New York City. Yeah. That's hosted by the uh, the IAFF, which is basically the union for every firefighter that's unionized in North America for the most part. Um, yeah. And there, there's a lot of inner workings going on with the IAFF too that we're not even going to get into. But yeah, a lot of on. a lot of I've been on multiple email chains, multiple drone working groups with um, you know a lot of key players on you know the IAF side and on other sides as well. But it looks like um, things are moving in the right direction. And by the right direction, so. I mean we're finally going to start creating some sort of. I guess it would be standardization would be the word to describe to come up with a, a way where everybody could kind of get an idea of what's going on rather than just trying to find the best information out there. There would be a resource for it. Yeah, I think I think that's great to consolidate everything under one roof. And it's the reason why we we we, we kind of came up with props is because there's there was so many. Uh, the It's out there, right? You can Correct. find it. The resources are there. But um, it's very difficult to disseminate what's actually, you know, decent to what is just people flying with an idea of how things should be flown. So one of the one of the main things about this whole standardization is NIST is is really interested in it. And NIST literally is standardization. It's in the name. You know what I mean? Like, um, so I can see that when they reach in there and they start figuring out how, because we have a different use case in the fire service and law enforcement as well on how these drones are being used. Yeah. Yeah. And I think once they realize what our use case is for that, they could develop these tests, which then could create the beginnings of the standardization. Well, I think, I think, I think we see uh, the direction of, of, of NIST and with every symposium that we go to or, you know, any working group, you see a NIST presence and, for obvious reasons and for obvious reasons and i i see like um i know that we have the nfpa standard and i mean there's other standards and then you know departments write their own standards as far as what they expect from how they want to expect it and i think now having a federally backed entity that can really showcase one or two things why the equipment works the way it does and how you know specific equipment who make or break an operation with a scientific backing. It might be the push to where certain, you know, entities might be able to keep the equipment that they're already operating with. Yeah. Yeah. So it would be a push in the right direction. If anything, it's going to bring education to the legislation that's being passed about what protections we need to to take. Because yeah. I mean, realistically, you can fly if you're out in a rural area, not surrounded by any type of airport or whatever. You could fly DJI equipment in local mode. Nobody's going to ever get that data. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's not connected to anywhere in the world, you know? Yeah. Um, and you have zero liability. Yeah, I, I think Remember, a lot. if you got to do unlocks, then obviously you got to do what has to be done. Yeah. 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 So there's a lot going on with the, with, with an on this side. And uh, what else? What else we have? Uh, just, you know, just. Stuff. <laughs> slugging along, John. Just slugging slugging along. along, drinking 24 <laughs> ounces of coffee at a clip, trying to keep my yeah. eyes open so I could finish doing PowerPoints for a presentation that I have <laughs> a couple of months, mu- um, less than a month out, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, but it, it's nice to see um, 
how like all of these moving parts from different areas of the country, different municipalities, different government sectors are kind of coming together to at least try and get some sort of standardization or try and get everything under one roof and consolidate resources. I know we constantly push the blue UAS thing and that, that, that's, we're not even going to talk about that. Yeah. I mean, what I'm starting to see is people are becoming more accustomed. And when I say people, I mean, departments and just in general, other entities. Like I had a meeting with uh, a power company in New York, the main power company of New York City, yeah. um, which shall remain nameless, but everybody who's in New York City knows already who it is <laughs> about beginning a program and how yeah. to fill it out. And it turns out that somebody that they have that works as a subcontractor inspecting their underground vaults also uses uh, the same equipment that we we would use for, you know, power yeah. yeah. or whatever. And they're very familiar with it and they could begin to develop their program. And they wanted to do it in-house. And I, and I said to them, I said, you could definitely develop a program in-house. I said, but you're three years out. I said, so what are you going to do in those three years to show proof of concept? Have an yeah. accident entity do it until you yeah. can build up your confidence, your stamina, your team. Yeah. And even that, and we had talked about this, you know, that there's going to be a build up before that build out happens. And you should have to show proof of concept. But they might even come to the realization that it's not even financially savvy for them or there's just too many moving parts for them to do it in-house. And they might just decide to keep it as is and have everything outsourced. Yeah, She's in a bad way to go. She's in a bad way to go. No, it's not a bad way to go at all. And it also brings um, the ability to use whatever equipment that they would want. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, because outsourcing, you, you pick your vendor by the equipment they have. Or And again, we always go with that liability, insurance and everything else. And it pushes off that liability to a third party, which is always big. Oh, absolutely. And that's one of the biggest factors is because, I mean, if you're creating a program and you're flying around your stuff and you break your own stuff. I mean, the only person that you could be you held, you're getting hit on both sides. Because yeah, yeah, the yeah. UAS program's taking a hit and you're taking a hit on whatever infrastructure you might have destroyed. Yeah. And when you deal with, you know, power lines and transformers and all that other fun stuff, um, it's not cheap. No, it's not. No, no it's not. It's not cheap to repair. So yeah. So, so yeah, a lot of moving parts from a, a lot of different places. And one of the other things that also um, we have legislation that's in the works now in New York City that's going to open up a drone permit, yeah. um, which I don't know how that's going to work, where you, 90 days in advance, $150 uh, registration fee, a non-refundable $150 registration fee for you to put yeah. a permit you know, an application in for a permit and hope that you get a permit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Again, that kind of falls into, I don't know. I don't like it, but. Um, yeah. Well, it, it, it's, it bottlenecks everybody. I mean, it's great for the film industry, but uh, as far as no. critical infrastructure or any other type of real work, you got file a permit 90 days away. I, I know. I just, I just look at that when, when I start seeing things like that, that, um, it's a, it's attacking the people that are going to fly correctly anyway. Correct. <laughs> so there's other ways to go about it. If you want to do a money grab for UAS and 
in, in New York City. And that's not it. Yeah, absolutely. My, my opinion on that. That's it. Yeah, I, I would make it so that, you know, these permits could be electronically filed. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, approved or disapproved and, you know, do it based off the regular FM maps that you have there. Yeah. You know, make yeah. sure, make them hold an insurance policy, proof of yep. insurance. Yeah. Um, and then that's going to get rid of all your, you know, I want to say recreational flyers, but non-recreational flyers. But anybody that's looking to use it in the real estate sector, in the surveying sector, or any other type of event now has the capability to do that. Do it, um, yeah. And you can't pre-plan a UAS operation 90 days in advance. No. Uh, you have no idea of your winter, well, your weather, your, your anything, your, your yeah. winds, any TFRs at that location, or like what's going on. Yeah. And you and I both know from being in the city long enough, you think you have a great day. And next thing you know, you know, the president decides, ah, I want to fly into JFK and shuts everything down for 30 miles. Yeah. Yeah. The weird like, thing about uh, New York City is blue skies doesn't mean you can fly. So, yeah, absolutely. There's always, there's always, uh, there's always somebody coming in. That's it. So, so yeah, there's a lot. I think there's, but, but yeah, I do think there's, there's better solutions to that. And, uh, and like you said, going off of those maps and everything is probably a better option. And, and, uh, that time frame is just ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. So that pretty much describes a lot of what we have going on uh, yep. in a small little compact punchline, but uh, we'll be more on top of it now. I think we have a good handle on everything, where it's going, how it's going to be. I know that yep. um, I only have a handful of small projects to work on. So my next main event is the Raymond Symposium, which is August 8th and 9th at the Sheridan in Times Square, New York City being hosted by the IAFF. And this is a public service, public safety, mainly fire and EMS um, symposium. And this was the first year that they wanted talks of drones in there, drones and technology. Yeah. yeah. So it's nice the, to see that. yeah, it's, it's nice to see that even, you know, on a national level that, you know, this technology is being recognized as a tool in the toolbox. And, and that's just it. Not that they're going to try and push anything, but at least they're at least recognizing it that, that, that it's, uh, you know, yeah. Tool in the toolbox. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm excited for this presentation where it goes. And then shortly after that, uh, I think the next week after that is, uh, there's a conference in upstate New York, which you and I will be yeah. attending to. I believe it's in Oriskany at uh, the Disaster Center for Disaster and Preparedness. And preparedness. <laughs> preparedness Thanks. Disaster Center. Anyway, we've been there before because uh, you and I both taught up there. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. At least we know where we're going this time. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. All right, so a lot going on. Uh, that was the uh, the quick summary and the fill-in to what we've been doing yes where we're going so john i think that's it right i think that's a wrap mikey I'm gonna go john, my I, yeah yeah i mean i'll go right to i'll go right to bed after this coffee yeah, uh, do a pot of coffee and go right to bed it doesn't matter to me yeah maybe my, have a cupcake or two and then go to bed my biggest concern is is whether or not uh, you're gonna be able to do anything with this audio with the crickets and, and cicadas and that in, in the background right now so <laughs> what about the creepy clown that's in the background? Yeah, it's always a creepy clown. <laughs> yeah, now, now you look over your shoulder. What would you do if you turn around? And it was there, like holding a red balloon. <laughs> yeah, well, that would probably uh, round off the rest of my what the rest of the week has been like. So I'll have to find another co-host. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 
Uh, all right. Uh, yeah. Let's send so, it home. Yeah, you send it home this time. Send it home. You want me to send it home? Absolutely. All right. I'm sending it. All right, everybody. This wraps us up. Another edition of Props Public Safety Podcast. I'm John Wakey. I'm Mike Wool. Stay safe. Fly safe. See you at the next one. Thanks for joining us at the Props Public Safety Podcast. If you want to take flight with our hosts and learn more about our public safety education program, go to propsflightschool.com and click the public safety button.